Hello. You're listening to If I'm Being Completely Honest, an audio series where we asked people to submit letters anonymously to a Google form and then had them read by creatives to interpret their words. We have no idea who wrote these words, but we thank you for those who did. This would not have been possible without you. We hope this project helped in whatever healing or message you needed to send. Following some letters, our readers may self-reflect on what they've read or include resources regarding the topics mentioned. You can find the resources in the link in the description of this episode. Dearest Kieran, I don't understand. We knew it. We, even, would one day break. But why did it have to be right when I needed you most? I knew I couldn't live without you, darling boy. Too soon. It hurts. I miss Sean, and Uno, and Seno. I miss Henrik, and Raymond, and Lauren. I miss Brock, and Kage. And Connor, and Danny, and Ska, and Jacob, the one-eyed king. I miss the detective, and Kuro, and you, and Ketsu, and Ikori, and Kurodo, and Zain. But, most of all, by far, I miss you. I still have those bracelets. From Valentine's Day. Remember? I miss you. It pains me that I never got the chance to cup your cheeks in my hands. I could never hold you like I'd so desperately wanted for so many years. I never even got to truly see your face. But I'll always keep you in my heart. Thank you for the spark, even if it's burning out now that you've left me. I don't blame you. Thank you for teaching me how to love, even if I'm so afraid that I'll never feel it like I felt it for you. I don't hate you. Reen Dental Ever gratefully, Creator E. Solace. Don't you recall? It's my name now. It'll always hold something in my heart. Just like you. Hello, my name is Megan, and I'm the reader of the piece you just heard. This piece is so full of longing and nostalgia and that relatable feeling of unrequited love and looking back on things and wishing you could have done it differently. I think the piece is clearly about two people who haven't had the opportunity to meet in person and in our day and age that makes me think of internet friendships which is something I can definitely relate to, that feeling that somebody is so intrinsic to your life and you can talk to them every single day, 
even though you've never had the chance to touch them or hug them or take them in in person. I think that's relatable for a lot of people that may be listening or that are interacting in the world today. It's so magical that we can create these deep friendships through just the internet. And I noticed in the piece, it has this flavor of reaching across boundaries, people from different places, becoming closely knit, potentially through online circles or even fandoms. I think that's really relatable for this day and age, and we shouldn't discount these online long-distance relationships. They really do teach us something about love and loyalty and accountability, like the writer speaks about here. If I received this letter, I would definitely want to reach out and share in this nostalgia, although I may feel a little overwhelmed by the level of emotion coming at me from this letter, but I think if some time had passed, I would definitely be down to rekindle this friendship, but I would caution anybody who relates hard to this letter and these words, I think that the time to reach out to these past flames, even if they're ones who were long distance or spurned from the internet relationships, I would caution you not to reach out until you're truly finished processing the hurt that this person has caused in you. To me, it seems like the writer is not truly ready to restart a friendship without expectations from the partner that they're speaking to in the letter. Maybe writing this letter was very healing and was a step along that journey to rehabilitate this relationship, but my vibe from it is it's not truly time to reopen a relationship yet, but I think letter writing is such a healing practice And if there's somebody that you have unfinished business with or words that you wish you could communicate, writing an anonymous letter is so good for that. And I would honestly recommend you just write it out, write out your feelings, and not even send it until you feel like you've really gotten through everything. That's something that's super relatable for me. When I've gone through breakups in the past, either romantic breakups or friendship breakups, writing through my feelings every morning in the beginning of the day to get that out, to get that purged, and then going on with whatever healing work I'm doing in my day, that has been an absolute lifesaver. So I would really recommend that to anybody who's struggling with loneliness or heartbreak and may really relate to this letter. And I'm sending you all the love and hope and optimism as you go out your day today. This next letter deals with the subject matter of death and end of life. It is 1 minute and 43 seconds long, if you wish to skip ahead. I am the man at the end of my life. 
an unknown friend come to seek you here behind the clock face. Day now gives way to night, and the hands turn in tandem. As I accept death by immortalizing my youth with you. Here I lament several stories above the drone of the city in motion. Aged hands hold the pen that holds my truth. No more lies now cross my lips or stain my pages. In this, the closing act. For when judgment comes, and it will, I hope with conviction that the eleventh hour allows for time enough to witness and forgive. So, be my friend inside my head as I share a life lived in full living color. And do not become heavy with judgment, but lighter with understanding. My story is ours. The ecstasy I felt then as I will in the end. When that last ghost train takes me. To Angela, after we came to an understanding, after that incident, I promised to change my ways and not depend so much on you to be of help and aid you in shouldering that charge you have been carrying for so long. And for the most part, I have kept up that promise, but I never got to properly ask for your forgiveness. I hope this message will reach you. I know last year was hard for you as well, so I hope you forgive me for abusing your presence and your help in the past years. I'll ask you for one more thing, to stay with me. I'm sorry for all my mistakes and for failing to see your suffering while I lived a comfortable life. I finally know how you felt all those years, so let us stay together. P.S. If you do hear this, don't tell you know who. This is a thing between girls. Hello, my name is Jacqueline, and I am the reader for the piece you just heard. When I first read the piece, it gave me the impression of a one-sided relationship that was ongoing for a period of time. It sounds like the person shifted into helping Angela, but realized they had taken advantage of them before. Whether in actions or failure to seeing what Angela was going through and acknowledging it. They feel sorry and hope that Angela realizes it, if not at the time, but through this letter. At first read, I was very confused because there was a lot of reading in between the lines and interpretation to this piece. I could feel this person's moment of clarity in realizing their actions and that they had taken the time to truly reflect on what had happened between them. It made me wonder if the relationship between them and Angela had changed drastically or the actions committed were so damaging that there was nothing left to say.
The way I related to this piece was that I had so many moments with my family, friends, and partner where I have felt like I have treated them horribly. And it goes beyond words. So many of those moments popped into my head as I was reflecting just now. And all I could really do at the time was show those people how much they still meant to me. And sometimes I couldn't and just left things alone for a bit until we came back together to talk or come to an understanding. Even then, I would still feel guilty. I'm trying really hard not to let my past actions dictate current relationships, but I think every so often I think about things I did or said to someone five plus years ago, mull over it for a bit, and quickly snap out of it saying that nobody is obsessing over this more than you are, Jacqueline. This piece is fresh, and Angela sounds like she meant a great deal to the writer and still does so completely understandable that they're revisiting these actions in hopes to reestablish something. If I receive this letter upon first read, my feelings are that I would feel seen. I would probably feel slightly uncomfortable as it may bring up some emotions that I am now being forced to revisit. However, I would also feel relieved that this person is aware of their actions. It makes me sad when people lack awareness and the words um, of the words and things they say to their loved ones. I mean, I've been there. But if it were me, I would acknowledge that maybe that person was going through something that prevented them from being there for me at the time. I would feel that not only is the person doing me right again in their actions, but also in their realization of what they did to me and that they're sorry. And that would make me feel grateful. Depending on where my relationship is with the writer now, I may still have my guard up and allow the relationship to naturally reconcile itself over time. If I were to respond to this person, it's like I said before, sometimes actions go beyond words can say, but I would say, thank you for acknowledging this, your actions and my suffering. What matters is that you recognize where you went wrong and you want to make things better for us. If you ever want to discuss anything else about this, I'm here for you. Onwards and upwards. To the girl I let go. If I'm being completely honest, there's not a day that goes by that I don't regret it. You just went for it. Brave. Open beautiful. I remember waking up, seeing the lyrics of that song you liked so much. And I remember cursing everyone, myself, the world, the guy who kissed me a few days before. I cursed my feelings and my earliness, how months before that I had felt like maybe this time I should confess. I cursed moving on when all my life, that's the one thing I could never do. I cursed bad timing. I cursed liking someone else. I cursed not liking someone as great as you. I cursed liking someone that I knew would hurt me too much. I cursed not telling you all that right at the beginning. Of course I didn't say anything and I moved on. And you sent this song so vulnerable and open and I, well, I let you go. Where I expected you to be mad, to be sad, to ignore me, you weren't and you didn't 
I didn't care about what your reaction would be because I knew it would be valid. You had every right to insult me. You didn't. In fact, it didn't take any time to go back to what it was. Funny tweets, rants about games and TV shows, about school, discussions, compliments. I mean, half flirty at best. Nobody could have guessed that I had rejected you a week prior. Then things got bad and I got hurt by that guy and I realized just how stupid it had been to do that. How much easier it would have been to be with you. How I knew deep inside of me you'd accept me. We'd be happy and open and harmless. It took me six months to move on. Six months during which I went bouncing between your chat and his six confusing bad months. Here I was having this superficial friendship with that guy, one of my best friends who acted like the biggest playboy asking for nudes while saying he was not attracted to me at all. Meanwhile, talking to you about my life, my problems, and answering yours. I mean, it was all so obvious, yet I couldn't force my feelings to go where I wanted them to go. I liked you so much, but... How could I know if it was love? What if I just liked you and and that's all? What if we ended up together and I realized halfway through it wasn't actually that? Wouldn't that be worse? I knew you'd accept me and my insecurities, me and my anxiety and everything in between. I felt like a hypocrite, rejecting you and regretting it because you'd be such a great partner. But I felt like I was disrespecting you. So I let it go again. Now, these last six months after all that, I took a step back. I let go of that guy, no matter how touchy and free and open he was. And even when he got shirtless in my car, I felt nothing. I remember being surprised. I felt no heat, no buzzing, no blush creeping up my cheeks. Where I thought I'd feel free, I only felt empty. Because no matter what, I was still in love with you. I realized that we were two in this. That it wasn't just about me. That it wasn't my decision to make. That maybe you wouldn't wait a full year for me. I don't know where you stand. Maybe you moved on. Somewhere, I hope you did, because you deserve someone great. And I'm not sure that's what I am. I still don't know where we stand, but I hope we'll find it together one day. Hello, my name is Caitlin Turner, and I'm the reader of the piece you just heard. Um, I'd just like to give a big shout out to the writer of this piece, whoever they may be. I thought it was very truthful and um, spoke a lot to the experience of anyone who's ever questioned uh, a queer relationship with a friend, Um, whatever that may mean to you. I found it to be heartbreaking and inspiring and uh, very relatable for anyone um, in the queer community. So I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that writing it um, gave the writer some form of some sense of peace or clarity.
This next letter deals with the subject matter of dysfunctional or abusive family dynamics. It is 1 minute and 56 seconds if you wish to skip ahead. Dear Big Sis, I love you, but you've broken my heart more times than anyone I've ever dated combined. Always picking your friends before me. Telling them my secrets. Embarrassing me. And then you had the audacity to tell me that I'm just looking for attention for finally getting angry at you. You've hurt me, manipulated me, lied to me, and so much more. You're my biggest bully. You told me everyone would hate me if I kept dressing the way I'm comfortable with, that I wouldn't have any friends, and that I'd deserve it for not listening to you. You told me I'm dumb and an ungrateful bitch. I never got the help I needed for my depression because of you. Because you're a know-it-all, even though you don't know me at all. After all this, you're still somehow convinced that I should be grateful to you. Telling me how hard it is for you to act as my second mother after our actual mother died, even though I never wanted you to. You just wanted to have control over me. And now you're asking me to run away from our dad. I hate him. I really do. He caused me, us, more pain than anyone else. But I would rather live in the streets than live with you. So please, stop telling me to leave him. It hurts me. I don't want to choose between either one of you, and you know this. But even after all of this, I still love you somehow. With love, your little sister. Hello, my name is Kelly Taylor, and I am a reader for the piece that you just heard. Dear high school teacher who hated me, it's me, one of your old students. I don't know if you remember me since it's been about 10 years now since I was in your class, but I was the fairly quiet kid with the curly hair who, for the most part, did really well in your class. That is until the day you decided to hate me. Okay, in all fairness, I did show up to your class late almost every single day. It was first period and I lived really close to school. So close, in fact, that through plenty of very scientific research, I figured out I could leave my house when the first bell rang and be up to your second floor classroom by the time the national anthem had ended. Sorry, Canada, I regularly walked through that anthem instead of quietly standing still thinking about my country or whatever it is we're actually supposed to do during that very outdated song. My plan would have worked too, if not for all of my friends being smokers who would regularly stand outside and stop me before entering the school with a quick hello and update on the school gossip. After which I'd head up to class just in time to hear you read the last few names on the attendance sheet. Sadly, my last name started with a B and not a Z, so you had long ago passed my shot at raising my hand and yelling, here as though I'd been sitting quietly in my seat, pencils laid out, ready to begin, noting every word you uttered. Usually, though, I was able to make up for my minor tardiness by actually paying attention to your lectures and diligently doing my homework when few others in the class could be bothered to do so. You see, I was actually genuinely interested in the subject matter that you decided to dedicate your life to passing on to the next generation of young minds, 
I was otherwise a good student. I didn't talk excessively through your teachings. I never fell asleep in your class or ate snacks when I wasn't allowed or wore a hat or broke any of the other completely ridiculous rules high school students are expected to follow. So all in all, I was a good student with a cute quirk of always being just a few minutes late to class. That is, until the day you decided to hate me. It was a crisp fall morning when I walked into your class more than my usual three minutes late. In fact, I was closer to half an hour late. I slipped into my seat quietly while the class was busy working on their assignments for the day when you happily glided over to my desk with the day's notes in hand, ready to share what I'd missed in the past half hour's worth of teachings. You playfully began to chastise me for being later than normal and asked where it was that I'd been. You assumed an early morning dentist or doctor's appointment was the culprit. But as I began to remind you that I'd mentioned earlier of today's impending lateness due to the fact that I'd be assisting another student with their project for another class, you decided to display your disgust for my decision to miss your class by slamming the binder on my desk and exclaiming, get the notes yourself, before marching away. That was the day you decided to hate me. That was the day you decided to no longer grade me fairly and the day you decided my 12th grade marks, which would be submitted for my university acceptance and potential scholarships, were now in your hands and not mine. You see, I understand your frustration with my desire to put another class above your own for a short period of time that morning. Every teacher wants to believe that they're teaching the life-changing subject, that their class is the one that will inspire a student to become what they were always meant to be, a rocket scientist or politician or curer of cancers. Every teacher wants to believe that one day they'll be the one thanked in a Nobel Prize speech for creating the spark in that child who turned into the adult that found life on Mars. And I took that potentially life-changing moment away from you briefly that morning. And what for? It would be understandable if my mom had booked the only dentist appointment available that day, which just happened to overlap with your class. Or even if I had a specialist appointment that was completely beyond my control to schedule, as surely that doctor would have no other time slots for months or possibly even years. But when you heard that the decision was not made by my parent or the receptionist scheduling appointments, but rather it was my decision to miss your class that morning, you lost it. What could possibly have made me, a bright 17-year-old student with a slight punctuality problem, so willing to miss your class? Well, it was my desire to help another student with a drama project. So not only did I miss your class for another, but I missed it for one that you probably thought was useless. The performing arts, or arts in general, are not often held in high regard as far as academia is concerned. You thought I was missing your class to play pretend in front of other students when I could have been in your room learning about something that actually mattered. Something that would spark a moment in my head, start me on my path to greatness, or at least give me some knowledge and skills that would help me get a job that would at least put food on my table. The term starving artist does exist for a reason after all. But the part you neglected to remember, my dear teacher, was that you taught philosophy. You taught the theories of very old, very dead, and often very drunk men and what they thought about life. In other words, you taught perhaps the only subject more useless than drama. So not only did I rob you of your spark-inducing moment, but in fact I gave you your own. Or perhaps I gave you the opposite. Instead of giving you the spark that inspired greatness, 
I gave you the lantern to illuminate the fact that you were in charge of teaching the most useless class in the whole school. Long had everyone thought that class would be drama, as if any of the students would turn into a Hollywood actor or director. But what was the best hope for your students to become? Old, drunk, or dead? Lucky for both of us, I got my spark for greatness from that drama class, and not yours. I'm now an actor and producer, and thankful that I'm not a philosopher or philosophy teacher. But don't worry, I'll still be sure to mention you in my Oscar speech as the teacher who never believed in me. Sincerely, your former student. Resources. Kids Help Phone. Kids Help Phone is Canada's only 24-7 national support service. They offer professional counseling, information, referrals, and volunteer-led text-based support to young people in both English and French. Their website is kidshelpphone.ca. AFC. AFC is the lifeline for Canada's entertainment industry. Through compassionate support, they help Canadian entertainment professionals maintain their health, dignity, and ability to work. Their website is afchelps.ca. Thank you for listening. The readers for today's letters, in order, were Megan Adam, Buck Delaney, Jacqueline, Caitlin Turner, Kelly Taylor, and Madeline Rose. Stay tuned for our next part in the series, right here and other places you find podcasts. I have just one more question for you. Have you been honest today?